Greenside, the IGA podcast. Also, Mike McCoy, the 2013 U.S. Johnson, now a two-time major champion after becoming the winner of the 144th Open Championship. All right, welcome to Greenside, the IGA podcast. Clint Brown here with you. Got guest John Brown, uh, 2013 Iowa Golf Hall of Fame inductee. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, good to have you. Uh, like I said, Hall of Famer. Uh, got 26 IGA, either IGA championships slash you know additional point event wins. Is that hard to to fathom looking back now? It's you know over. <laughs> God, I don't even I don't even want to say how many years probably. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of years. Um, it is when you when I look at all the things I've accomplished over the years, and and it's been a great run. And um, you know, I still I still think about the ones that got away. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so grew up in Des Moines. Where? Talk to me about kind of your your junior golf getting started with golf because that's maybe a story and, and information that people maybe don't know. Yeah. Uh, Hyperion Field Club was was my uh, was where I grew up playing my. my uh, my parents joined Hyperion in 1967, the year I was born. And so uh, Hyperion was kind of my daycare uh, growing up. They, I, I remember, uh, you know, my brother and I, he's four years old. Jim is four years older than me. And uh, what, a, what a great childhood we had, you know. Um, parents would drop us off in the morning out there and, and we would spend the day. I mean, uh, in our, you know, the summers, uh, we would... Uh, you know, golf when we could, we were mm-hmm. a little restricted on when, sure. we, when we could play, but we'd swim. Uh, and then I'd spend hours on the putting green or the driving range. And then, you know, when it got to be four o'clock or whenever it was that I could play, I'd be on the course till dark. All day, just playing. Oh, just That was my summers. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the guys I, I talked to, you know, they, they reminisce about the days of playing, you know, 27, 36, oh, yeah. 45 holes, just, just walking all day and just, just loving it. Absolutely. And we had, you know, a lot of, a lot of great guys came from, you know, that were, that were playing out there mm-hmm. at that time. And, and that I, I grew up looking up to and uh, you know, the, you know, Compiano boys mm-hmm. and, the, and uh, uh, there were just a lot of, a lot of role models to look up to. And a lot of guys that I, uh, you know, kind of shaped who I, uh, who I, who I became. Sure. So, so growing up as a junior, maybe as you got into high school, were you, were you playing like in a lot of the old, you know, minnow tournaments, were you playing mostly local? What, what was kind of that like for you as a junior growing up? You know, I, I was different from a lot of, you know, okay. talk to a lot of guys. They were like, Oh, I was competing all over. I, you know, I didn't, uh, I played in the, the club, the junior club tournaments, mm-hmm. the junior, uh, inner club, uh, stuff. There, there wasn't really a whole lot of, uh, junior events okay. back then okay um it was it was before the ajga mm-hmm. um you know so i mean i would play in the the boys city junior tournament the some of those types of events but really um and then i got into high school golf but um really my my tournament kind of career began you know, in high school. And then, and then I played one year of, uh, at West Texas state, right. They dropped their golf program after my freshman year. And, uh, I, I didn't play college golf after that. I came home, went to DMAC, but, uh, uh, and then got into the family business. So okay. at that point, uh, I was, 
I was looking for terms that I started, that was when I started playing in the IGA events. I think right around like 1987 Okay, was about as far back as I can remember. Okay. Um, I might've played in the Iowa masters before that. I think like 85, I think was okay. the first year okay. that I played in that. But, uh, and so the IGA events were kind of my pinnacle, you know, okay. I mean, so I, I really worked hard to, uh, to improve my game and, and with, you know, my goal was always to win one IGA mm-hmm. event, Sure, you know, and I won my first win was the Iowa masters in 1990. Okay. And I just was, I thought that was just the pinnacle. I thought, man, I, I can die now a happy man. I just, <laughs> I was, if I never do anything else, that'll, that's just incredible. I was just, it was just incredible for me because uh, the, the masters was uh, a tournament that I, I caddied for my brother uh, when I was little and he yeah. played in it. And, and I just thought that was the, the most awesome event. Yeah. Well, you kind of led me into my next question because I knew you played down at West Texas state for a year and mm-hmm. then they dropped the program. And I was curious after that kind of what your competitive golf was like. And it sounds like you kind of, you kind of got into the IGA circuit there, you know, in the summers and, and yeah. were able to stay competitive and improve and that thing. So I was kind of curious about that kind of that transition yeah. in your life. And I was, you know, I was working for the family business. We had my, my dad owned independent abstract and title company. And, and so my brother and I both went into that business. And so, uh, and that was very much, a, you know, a, a Monday through Friday, eight to four type mm-hmm. job. And, you know, I could, I could take off some and, and play. And so it was easy for me to play in the I, IGA events. And that just, it just was, uh, it worked out nicely. So you mentioned uh, when in the Iowa masters in 1990, and I, I want to, you're not going to remember this, but my, if you ever run into my dad, so he played out in the tournament of champions in 1989 and 1990 and, oh, they, wow. and they were driving home after the last day. And, you know, they got the radio out there. And they were going through the scores and they mentioned something like, you know, Jim and John Brown up there, you know, That's battling. Right. And they said, another guy, heck of a nice guy, not didn't shoot as well as he wanted to. Greg Brown, he's heading back to Wapo. And it, you should ask him about that because I he before I even knew you or before I even got a the IGA, he that was one of his he he you just get the big smile on his face and just like That's yep, so that was funny. That so, was that was 1989. Okay, so yeah. Um, Okay, 89, because he, he went out there 89 and 90, so yeah. I think it was 89, and yeah. that was the last year that the Tournament of Champions was a point of that. Okay, okay. Um, and my brother and I w- were playing well and uh, came down, came right down to the end, and uh, I was playing in the second to last group. He was playing in the final group. Okay. And I remember I, I made like a 20-foot birdie putt on the last hole to tie it okay yep and then jim and the group final group behind me birdied it also okay to beat me by yep. a stroke and we finished first and second okay okay but i remember at the time i had not won an iga event yet okay and i i was playing in all these events right. you know and right. my brother um my brother was always better than me he was four years older but he was always better okay than me. and up to okay. that point i mean i i never really beat him i mean he was the he was the better player and he beat me in that event and it was just crushing. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you were maybe a little happy for him, but it was more crushing than anything. I was, uh, no, I was crushed. I was, I wanted to, to, to beat him so bad, you know? And, and, uh, but he, he, he played great and, and won the event and it was, it was pretty cool 
and looking back on it now to finish one, two as brothers in that event, you know, right. it's pretty, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a neat memory. For sure. Um, fast forward a little bit, uh, player of the year in 2004 and 2006, kind of looking back, was it a matter of you just, you just kind of kept getting a little bit better, kept, you know, I mean, you're always good. I'm not saying that I'm just, you know, I'm saying, you know, the, the, the climb up the mountain, what, what was that kind of like, I guess? So frustrating. Yeah. Uh, pl- player of the year was something that, you know, I wasn't, my work and family life mm-hmm. was not conducive to me playing nationally. So the, right. like the, the USGA events, I mean, you know, I mean, not only are they expensive, but they're, you're gone a week. Right. And I had two weeks of vacation a year. Right. And if I played in one of those deals, it shot half my, half right. my vacation and time. And, and, uh, I just kind of had to make a decision. Do I want to play in some national events and, and nothing else? Or do I want to play in the local, the state stuff, uh, and play as much as I wanted. Right. Cause I could do it on the weekends. Right. right. Um, so that was kind of what shaped that decision. And, um, because I never, I didn't really play in the USGA events it was very hard for me to win player of the year because the guys that were qualifying for those and, and playing in them, they'd get bonus points. Get and those and points. it was just, it, was tough. It, it just was very difficult the way that I went about it. Sure. And so, um, it was always a goal. I always chased it. Uh, you know, that player of the year and, uh, I got it a couple of times, but I tell you what, I, I mean, I, I finished runner up 12 times in my career, uh, player of the year. And it's just been every possible scenario mm-hmm. that could have gone, you know, the other guy's way. Right. Pretty much. Always did. Did. Well, and that's, that was on my notes. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you and I, and knowing you, I mean, it's, it's probably great to be in the mix, but I'm sure it just, it just eats at you. It, was there any, talk to me. I mean, I'm sure there was a couple kind of just, I don't want to say crazy, but just unfortunate breaks for you in one of those runner up years where it was like, you, maybe not to how just, much, how much just, time do we have? just, yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's just like, I'm sure there's something like, and, and hats off to those other guys, but I'm sure there was yeah more than a, a handful. That, you know, let me, let me start by saying, yeah. um, you know, now looking back on it, it, it probably drove me okay. to work harder, to continue through my, through my golf career, to, uh, to work hard, to chase those goals and, and to come up just short so many times, uh, you know, it was, it was really frustrating, but it probably kept me playing, kept me working hard and it, it probably worked out just fine, you know, but yeah, I mean, looking back on it, um, there were tons of scenarios and, and I, you know, hats off to the guys who, who want, who won sure. those years right. nope. Agreed. and taking nothing away from right. them, but it was just, it was a lot of scenarios like, uh, <laughs> my, my good buddy, John Olson one year, yes. uh, for example, and he's, he's gonna, he feels terrible about this. <laughs> uh, and I, and, and it's, you know, it, it's funny. It's funny now it's, 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 it's fine. But one year, uh, I had, I had finished the year. There were no more events to play in. Okay. And I was, and I was player of the year. Okay. Uh, John Olson had qualified for the U S mid am. Okay. And then he, he had some stuff come up last minute. Couldn't play. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so he had to withdraw and, and 
So the next alternate was Gene Elliott. Okay. Well, Gene Elliott, um, all of a sudden now gets those qualifying points. Gets in, sure. Still has to make match play uh, to to pass me in points. Right. Makes match play, passes me for player of the year. I mean, I was player of the year. All the all right. the, all the events were right. done. No one could catch me. Right. And then that happens. Right. So that, I mean, that's, that's one right. And then there, and then there's other other years where you know a guy had to do this and this and this to pass me, and that and that's happened. That's happened probably four or five times where in the U.S. Mid Am somebody had to make match play or make match play and win a match or two mm-hmm. to pass me, mm-hmm. and they always did it. Mm-hmm. So again, hats off to those guys that they did what they had to do. Well, we got a goofball across the, the the way here that just did it last just year to you. So yeah, and they, 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 they made, did it to you. They made a twenty foot putt on the last hole uh, out in uh, uh, East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to make match play, yeah. and he had to do that yep. to, to pass me. So yeah, it, it it's happened a lot. Talk to me about your. You've been to, I believe it's ten USGA championships. If I did my math right, yeah. Um, and, and got my records up. Just talk to me about how special those are. Oh man. Um, yeah, you know, last year was kind of funny because uh, my uh, the for the U.S. four ball last year, my uh, my usual partner John Olson mm-hmm. um, couldn't couldn't play. He had a career change, and so he he was he had a busy year last year. Sure. Just uh, it was real hard for him to uh, to get away, and so he told me like you know a couple months in advance of the qualifier for the U.S. four ball that he wasn't going to be able to play. Well there's not much time there to find a, a, a replacement right. partner because everybody's locked in, right. everybody's partnered up. And right. so I was like, well, I just, I just won't play. And, um, and then last minute, JD Anderson qualified for the U S mid am. That's right. And there was a conflict yes. that conflicted with the qualifier for the U S. That's right. Yes. So he left his partner, Ethan Mecklen mm-hmm. hanging mm-hmm. and Ethan called me and said, Hey, do you want to play? And I said, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think I can under the rules. I don't think they allow you to substitute okay. after the entries are closed. Right. And I was right. But long story short, I, they ended up making an exception because of JD being because of yeah. JD playing in the, in the U S mid am right. in that circumstance. And uh, they allowed me to, to, to sub in for him and we ended up qualifying. And that was Ethan's first USGA event. And I just told him, you know, I, you don't, you have no idea what you're, what you're in for here. It's just such a special, uh, thing to, to, to be able to go play in and the way they treat you, the, you know, the whole process of, of a USGA event is just, they, they treat you like a tour player. You know, you you go in, your name's on the locker, you know, you're, you're, you go to the range and all the ball, you know, here's your, you know, do you want Titleist Pro V1s or do you want Callaways or do you want, you know, what, what's your ball of choice? Sure. Uh, uh, carpentry and it's a real real neat deal and he got to experience that for the first time down in Birmingham so that was pretty cool pretty special honor to you know not only represent yourself but represent your state and yeah you know because you played on some state teams obviously and yep. and uh just uh, I always I always like to just kind of get the experience of, of what others have that have played in those is, is like yeah and you know those those state teams I got to I, I got to play in five state team mm-hmm. championships and uh I tell you what, those, those events were probably some of the most, I had more fun at those mm-hmm. events because of the camaraderie. Sure. Uh, it's a team aspect, but it's still an individual, you know, uh, event within the team event. Uh, and I, I just great memories, great memories of those. 
So I got a question and uh, not to put you on the spot, but you know, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of younger golfers that, that get paired with you and, you know, we're like, okay, I get to play with John Brown when you were coming up through the ranks or even as a junior, who, who were some of the guys that you remember playing with that it was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta have my game ready for, you know, not, not that you were intimidated, but it's like, I mean, oh, you know, playing with, you know, well, another Hall of Famer or, or somebody that comes yeah, to mind well, or even. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, competing against Mike McCoy and Gene Elliott, you know, mm-hmm. and, and those guys. Um, I would say Gene was, I saw less of Gene. I saw more of Mike. Mike at a younger age was mm-hmm. playing more of the IGA events at that time early on because Gene Gene was pro, turned pro and stayed a pro for, for a number of years before coming back. Right. Amateur status right. So, I mean, I, I kind of got to know Gene better later on, but Mike was always a constant. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's a, he was, he was always, always, you know, tough. Mm-hmm. Um, other guys that I grew up playing with early on that I really uh, admired and, and, uh, and sponged off of a lot were, uh, guys like Scott Chapokas. Yep. Sure. He was, um, he was player of the year, two consecutive years in like 87, 88. Okay. I think. And those were the first years that I started playing in the IGA events. And for whatever reason, I got paired with him a lot Okay, and got to know him really well. And his dad, um, would go to the events with him and, and they were just, uh, so I learned a lot from him watching him play. Uh, another guy that was, uh, you know, a real legend uh, by name as well was Jim Curl. And, and uh, Jim was always so great to me. I, he, he kind of, you know, took me under his wing, so to speak. I was this young, young buck and he was the established veteran, you know, and he, you know, uh, and I, I learned a lot from Jim and, and it was pretty special friendship that we, we formed. And it was, it was, it was weird being good friends with a guy that was that much older than me. Not that he was, I mean, Right. But, but I would, but he was, he was, uh, you know, I don't know how much older he was than me. Probably, probably 15. I was going to say, yeah, 15, 15, 12, 15. Yeah. That's, that's what I would guess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, you know, so those were some of the guys that I, I kind of grew up around playing that, uh, I, I, I looked up to. That's cool. Um, 2003, a tumble am. Oh yeah. Win by 16. That was so what's give me the, yeah. Give me the lowdown on that one. I remember it just being <laughs> scorching hot. Okay. All right. Um, was that late in the year? Midsummer? What? No, that was okay. always in June. That was okay. Like so early, right. That was one of okay. the, one of the first events of the year. Okay. Um, I remember it being just, we were in the middle of a drought and it was super hot. Um, and the course was really dry and really fast okay. and rock hard. I just, that's what I remember. And it's just being really challenging because you, you just, mm-hmm. and, uh, I remember, I think I shot the low round each round, Okay. but my lead wasn't that big, like early on. Okay. I think I had, I don't, I don't remember. I, I think I had a, you know, maybe a, maybe a one or two shot lead after the first round. And then it grew after the second round. And then the last round, I don't remember what I shot, but you know, I shot a low round and everybody else just kind of went the other direction. And it was just one of those things that happened. Sure. And at the end it was, 
holy cow, I was 10 under. And, and <laughs> I think there was a five-way tie for second. Okay. I think J.D. Anderson was, was one of the guys that tied for second. And he, they were six over, and I was 10 under. So it just... And I've always wanted to ask you about that because, you know, you, you see guys that win, you know, by six or seven, you know, have, you know, have a good week and just have it going, but it's like 16. I'm like, okay, what, yeah, what was going on? Was it just in the zone? I mean, did you even have a sense of kind of like how, I mean, it was like secretariat, like you're probably looking in the rear view mirror to see where the hell everybody is. No, no, no not really. You know, back then I, I really didn't scoreboard watch. I okay. didn't, I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to anybody else. I was just kind of staying in my routine and going through and, 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 you know, trying to, trying to take it one shot at a time. And yeah, I remember, I remember getting done and I mean, I knew I had a lead. Yeah. I sure. just didn't know that it had, it had ballooned. To what right. Right. So I was just, I was just playing my game right to the very end and got done. And, 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 <laughs> and I, remember, I remember getting done and looking at, you know, finding out what, what was the going final on? scenario was. And it was like, Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. That's hilarious. Um, one question I've, I've asked of a few of the guys that I've had on and, and ladies, um, as far as equipment, do you like to tinker? Do you kind of like to find something that you really like and stick with it for a while or, or what's, what's John Brown's kind of game plan there? Um, I, I really, I've kind of gotten to the point where I, I don't switch clubs very often. Okay. Um, my irons, I think I've had for, I think my first year playing with them, I remember was when we were playing in the state, uh, the U S four ball at Pinehurst. So that was 2017 and they were new. So, okay. so I think I'm in my sixth or sixth season with them. Okay. Um, my driver is, a uh, is two or three model year models old. Sure. Um, along with my, you know, everything. I, I mean, I just don't like switching. I mean, I, I feel like, it's a lot of work when you switch clubs to, to get a feel for, you know, if you change shafts or whatever, and it's not, it's not just the clubs, it's the, it's how they perform. It's like the trajectories change. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're in trouble and you've got to hit a shot high over the trees or you've got to hit, hit a shot low under branches or, or whatever. And when you, when you have new clubs that might kind of be a little bit of a, of a guessing game. And, mm -hmm. and I feel like, with my clubs, because I've played with them for so many years, uh, I know what they do. I have, I have a tremendous amount of trust and, and I, and I know what I can do and what I can't do with them. So I guess it's a, it's a little bit of a security blanket. Um, and if I, when I change equipment, I start over and I don't like that process. That's very understandable. I can understand. Like you said, I mean, if you got confidence out there and kind of got some faith, yeah, you know, like you said, it's a security blanket. Um, kind of changing gears, John. Um, and I think this is, I think it's going to be fa fair to say this is a labor of love for you. Um, your involvement with the Iowa golf hall of fame committee. Can you yeah. just talk about that and kind of how that's, you know, kind of how you've been involved with that? Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget the phone call I got, um, from Gene Elliott, cause he was the hall of fame mm -hmm. chair at the time, mm -hmm. um, telling me that I was being inducted. And I mean, I total, I mean, and I had no clue I had been nominated okay. um, and goosebumps. I mean, it still gives me chills. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was the, it was one of the best phone calls. I was asked to, to join the hall of fame committee. Mm -hmm. And then a few years after that, I think in 2018, uh, Gene's Gene timed out on his, on his uh, board of directors uh, 
term sure. and had to step down off the board. And there's a rule that to be a, to chair a committee, you have to be on the, 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 the regular uh, board of directors. Right. And so Gene was stepping down and, and, uh, and then I was asked to, to chair the Hall of Fame committee. And, uh, uh, and it's, it's, it's been great. You know, it's a, it, it is, it is a fun thing to do, but it is very stressful. It's time consuming. It's, you know, it's not too bad time. No? Wise. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a difficult thing to, to, to sit in judgment of someone mm-hmm. else's accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, until you do that, mm-hmm. you, you can't, you can't understand the pressure of that responsibility. And I, right. and I don't, I don't take it lightly. Right. And I'm, I'm thankful that it's done by committee. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. Right. You know, we have, uh, we have, a uh, we have 10, uh, people on the, the voting committee of the hall of fame, uh, committee. And, uh, and it's, you know, every year we, we pour over the, the candidates and mm-hmm. take a lot of time and it's, uh, we take it very, very seriously. Well, and, and as a, as a golf fan in Iowa, I, I appreciate the work you and the committee has done, especially in that historical c- category, because there's a lot of golfers that, you know, I don't want to say have been forgotten, but like with, you know, with social media and the way, you know, things, everything's on the internet, some of that stuff that, you know, if, if somebody doesn't turn in a, you know, a nomination for somebody, we might not always know. So, so I think you guys have done a great job with, with everything. Don't get me wrong, but you know, the historical category of people that, you know, maybe aren't with us anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I've learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, we'll get nominations for people and it's like, I don't, you know, I feel like I have a pretty, pretty sure. good grasp on the history right. of golf in Iowa. And, you know, I, there's, there's nominees that come on and it's like, I, you know, I never knew, I never knew about this person, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, so it's, it's really interesting. And one, one person that, uh, that we just, uh, we just inducted was, uh, Barbara Bubani. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know how I pronounce yeah. that. Bubani. Yeah. Uh, Berkmeyer. Yes. Um, from, uh, Missouri, St. Louis. And, uh, and I, I never had heard of her when she got nominated. I thought, who is this, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, as we learned more about what she had done, it was, a, it was amazing, mm-hmm. you know? And I was, it was, I was really disappointed this year. The, the date that the, the ceremony, uh, was decided on was, uh, conflicted with me being in Alabama for the U S four. That's so right. Yeah. That was the first, uh, ceremony that I've missed since I've been on the committee. So that was, that was unfortunate, but, uh, uh, I watched the videos of everybody that was inducted and they all did a great job and it was, it looked like a nice event. It was a, it was a very nice evening and she, you know, she's Iowa through and through, you know, which is, which makes it, makes it that much more special. One, one of my favorite parts, uh, get to call all of the, uh, inductees and inform them. Right. Uh, and that's one of the best, I mean, I, I think back of the phone call I got from Gene and, and so, uh, getting, you know, to do that and, and tell these, inform these people that they've been, they're going into the hall of fame, uh, is, is a really, really cool thing to get to do. It's a pretty special moment. It's I'm awesome. sure it's awesome. Well, John, before I let you go, we got, uh, the IGA match play right on the horizon down at uh, Talon's golf. You've had pretty good success at the, uh, the match play three time winner. What, uh, what is it about match play that maybe gets you going and it's been successful for you? I love match play. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a, it's a different pro it's a different format. And, and, uh, 
you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to play your opponent more, more so than you, what you, you normally mm-hmm. do. And, you know, in a stroke play event, you're, you're, uh, you know, it's a game with yourself and the goal and the course. And, uh, you know, when you, when you go head to head, it, that changes and, and you've got to, you've got to still play your own game, but, but you've also got to factor in what the other guys do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I like the event because you don't, you know, you only have to beat six guys to win. You don't have to beat 150. Right. right. You only got to beat the guy in front. Right. And I've always, I've always loved match play and I just love, I love the, the head to head aspect of it. So it's uh, I've had some successes. I've had a lot of disappointments, you know, it's, there's only one guy standing at the end, just, right. you know, and it's, you know, I've, I've finished, uh, I've played in six, final matches okay and won three of them so okay. i've lost three and that's a that's a that's a lonely uh place to 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 finish in the match play event you know uh and it's a weird it's it's a strange event in that you know when you get down to the final match it's quiet oh it's so quiet and i think it's like I, don't know if, yeah. I mean it's just it's yeah. just you two guys and the iga staff yeah and a course that's closed to the public yeah. and so you're the only people on the golf course most of the time yeah and, uh, it's, it's just a strange deal. I remember, I remember a couple of years being at the harvester mm-hmm. and, uh, getting to that point and, and, uh, you know, there's nobody ever out there anyway, right. There didn't used to be right. And, right. uh, but yeah, it's, it's a special event. It's, it's, uh, I've been fortunate to, to, to have some success in it and look, always look forward to it. So, like I said, going back to, to Talon's golf for, for those that haven't had the chance to see or play the course, John, how would you just in a nutshell, how would you describe talons and maybe how it fits your game? You know, it's a, it's a wonderful golf course. I mean, it's, uh, it's beautiful. I mean, the, the condition of the golf course, Steve Olson over there, just, I, I, he does a tremendous job. I mean, anybody that ever steps foot in that course, they just can't believe the turf quality. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're walking on carpet the greens are perfect. They're mm-hmm. the most perfect greens I've ever, you know, they, they, they don't get a tremendous amount of play mm-hmm. and they've got one of the best greens keepers in the, you know, <laughs> around right. and uh, right. he, know, he knows his stuff. And, and uh, the course is just immaculate. Um, it's a short course. It um, that's the thing about having the match play at this course is it, it doesn't favor any one type of player. So the okay. bombers definitely don't have an advantage there. Um, or as much of an advantage sure. because um, I would say it plays into more of a, you know, a person that has a good wedge game mm-hmm. and a good short game mm-hmm. is going to, is going to have a good shot there. So it brings the whole field into, into contention. Well, and, as, so other and I think you'll agree with this, you know, the, the metal play qualifier, you can't, you can't fiddle around too much. You're going to miss match play. Won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I almost did one well, years ago. I made a, I made about a, a twenty on a hole, you know, and, and uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, I don't think I'm going to make the cut, and uh, and it came down to it, and I and I I got the sixty fourth seed, mm-hmm. I got the final spot, yeah, and uh, yeah, and that was uh, I was I was I was very fortunate to be in the match play field that, that year, so that was kind of funny. Well, it should uh, should be another exciting week next week at uh, at Talons Golf, and uh, we'll look forward to 
seeing you over there, John. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and talking to us a little bit. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. See ya.